which is mm-hmm. wild because I never thought I'd be back in this kind of space. <laughs> like this, like spirituality at all is what you're saying. Yeah, spirituality yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, that's that's super interesting. Wow, I had no idea that you came from such a religiously dense background. Honestly. Oh, huge! Like I was. I did in not church know that. Every week, I was one of those. Uh, every week we were in church, I was singing the songs. Um, I was wondering when I was going to get to start speaking in tongues, but it never came. And then I questioned that. <laughs> That's, dude, I, oh my God. Yes, that is absolutely a, a big struggle I had. Yeah. Yeah. Like my mom could do it and I would like watch that and I was like, huh, this is so interesting. But my dad never did it. And so I was like, always like kind of fascinated and I felt yep. like I was missing out on something. And then like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I like, yeah, where I kind of like fell off. It was probably in college, like as as you do, as one does. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Hello! Welcome to the EduPunks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Bideman. I'm welcoming you to another conversation with an everyday educator and daily disruptor in the world of music, education, creativity, and beyond! All that jazz. You know, another great conversation I'm excited to share with you this week. Uh, my friend Kevin Klein from the band Valley Heart. We're going to get into the band's newest album, Everyone I've Ever Loved, uh, as well as his his start in a metalcore band, booking DIY gigs, recording everything on their own, and doing it themselves, uh, and what that all looked like, and his take on spirituality and how that plays a big role in his life and in his music and the introspection therein. We get into a good conversation a bit on our takes on faith and our lives in general, and that's probably one of my favorite parts of the conversation, so I hope you really enjoy it when we get to that. Uh, You do get to hear tunes from that new Valley Heart album throughout the episode, which I'm really excited for, and stay until the end when you get to hear the band play one of my favorite covers that I've ever heard ever! Yay! We'll give away what the cover is later in the episode. You'll get to hear it then. Uh, and before we get too far in, just a quick reminder that we are a part of the Connect EDU network. So go to connectedu.network to check out all of the fantastic podcasts that you can learn from and get educated on uh, throughout all of your days on this earth. Uh, I don't have a whole lot more to talk about. Uh, this conversation with Kevin and I gets into a lot of stuff. You get to learn a lot about him and a lot about how he has approached music and what the music has meant to him throughout the years. Um, the band is going to be touring a whole bunch. You can check out all of the tour dates in the show notes as well as he will talk about it at the end of the episode. So yeah, let's get to this conversation with Kevin Klein. So I'm sitting digitally. I'm sitting. I don't know if you're sitting. I'm sitting. Uh, sweet. We're both sitting digitally uh, with my friend Kevin Klein, uh, who's up in Salem, right? Yep. Salem, Mass. Salem, Mass, baby. And I'm down here in Quincy. Yeah. We, we're finally getting to chat. We uh, have tried to work this out for about a month and a half now (laughs) yeah (laughs) we both ended up just having things come up here and there and now we're finally getting to chat so thanks for spending some time with me this morning thanks thank you man i'm super excited to chat yeah hell yeah um so 
can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do and where you come from and where you've been? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That pretty much covers it all. Um, <laughs> so I will. Uh, so I'm Kevin Klein. I um, sing and play guitar and write for Valley Heart um, and the band that is Valley Heart. And I also write and put music out under my name, Kevin Klein, as well, and help people. Um, I produce as well. I'm, I've started producing and working with artists to get sounds and um, have them work on their records a bit more. So that's what I do. And I come from, I was born in Queens, New York. I lived there till I was about 11. And then I moved four hours north to the cooler part of the country um, and had my formative years pretty much here. So when someone asks me where I'm from, I pretty much say um, Boston, because when I remember my friends and my hometown, those formative memories, it's pretty much here. Um, so, and I, yeah, I lived in Winthrop and then I moved to Burlington and now I live in Salem and, um, yeah, that's, that's it. Nice. Yeah. I kind of have a similar, um, kind of conundrum when people ask me where I'm from, like granted I am from Oregon. And so I tend to just say like, Oh, I'm from Oregon. Uh, because I don't expect people to actually know where I'm from in Oregon, especially out here in mass, because people only really think of, you know, Portland and so, right. um, but I am actually from Salem, Oregon, which is the capital of Oregon. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. I, I always, yeah, I remember we talked about this. Is Salem, Oregon, like really, is it, is it like city? Is it like a big city? So it's an expansive city. Uh, I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call it a city in the way that like Boston is a city, but it is like a big old suburb. Like the whole thing feels like a right. one big suburb. Um, okay. but it is very expansive. Um, like there's a lot of, there's like an, like, like a lot of places, there's like a North Salem, uh, West Salem and a South Salem. And they're all very pronounced. They all have their own vibe. Um, and like, I, gr- I just, I grew up in two different parts of Salem and, but I actually consider my home to be Corvallis, which is where um, Oregon State is, because that's really where I came to be who I am. So I, right. I, I always feel weird to explain that to people. <laughs> yeah, it's such a it's such a journey through like your childhood and like different seasons of your life that like in like a two minute conversation is so hard to dissect sometimes. Oh, for sure. And especially since like I came to be during college, like um, I, I don't really have a lot of um, I don't really have a lot of ties to like my hometown. Like I, I, I have an affinity for it, but I don't really feel like it is my home anymore. So, um, especially now that I live out here, like in mass, mm-hmm. I feel like this is now like who I am. So it's a really weird right. thing to fi- kind of figure out where, <laughs> where you come from and how you got to where you are. That's why I like to ask that question because you never know. It's a great question. It is a good, it's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so I'm interested to get this conversation. When did you start like getting into music? Yeah. Um, seventh grade, very distinct period of my life where I, I was really, really, really into sp- sports as a middle schooler and like kid, like I wasn't a kid who my parents played music and my uncles and my dad had a guitar line around. Like that was not my story. My story was very much like my dad loved sports and like, and I was just like a, a crazy fiend for baseball. Like I loved it. Like mm. I ate it. I, I loved it so much. And I played little league and like was pretty good. And, and uh, I remember seventh grade, there was a shift where I think looking back now, like I, I was in like one of the smaller divisions of my little league and I got moved up to like, play with like the 15 year olds like just the older kids and I was kind of this big fish in a little pond and like really good and then like I had been brought here and I I, like started like getting cold feet and like not playing well anymore and I remember there was this summer in seventh grade where um all of a sudden there was the shift that was like oh I want to do music now like this is going to be my new thing (laughs) and uh I had I had gotten a guitar that the Christmas before um my parents had given me one for Christmas it was like a I still have it, and I still play it all the time. It's like a, a black uh, Geo Ibanez Strat hmm. um, that it was like probably like a hundred bucks, but for some reason, like I set it up once and like got it feeling good, and it still feels awesome. Hmm. Um, so I play that once in a while. But anyways, I yeah, that summer of seventh grade, 
and I uh, I started playing music, but I started getting into music probably like six end of sixth grade, seventh grade, and you know we, we talked briefly about this before, but uh, we're going on tour with Red Jumpsuit soon. But they were the first rock band that I ever listened to. Like before that, I was listening to like. Akon and 50 Cent and like what all the kids oh. in my club. Yeah, like what there shift. was I know. It was like very much like I was this like kid who just listened to like the contemporary like the game 50 Cent Eminem hip hop that was like just, you know, all my classmates listened to. And then I remember my friend showed me like rock music for the first time and I was like, "Whoa, this is cool." And then that's when like the door started opening. <laughs> that's that is fascinating. Like I wouldn't have expected that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a weird. It, again, I don't. I didn't have this like cool like background and like musicianship or like any like inclination for it at all. It was very much to very much a learned thing that like a culture and like a, a skill that I really stepped into and developed like from seventh grade on until like this point. So yeah, hmm. that's pretty sweet though. Um, what position did you play in baseball? Mainly second base. Oh, really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I was a first baseman. We would we would have been right next to each other. We would have been right next to each other. Hey, man. Yeah, I love that. Um, I <laughs> yeah. played left, left, and first because I can catch pretty well. So really, yeah, and I liked yeah. to, I liked playing left field because I could run around a whole lot. Yep. If it got hit out to me. But, of course, yeah. That's an active part of the outfield. Yeah, and I was a kid. Oh, you can imagine. I was a kid that was all over the place, so it was like perfect <laughs> for me. <laughs> right. That's like that's why I wish like I wish I would have gotten into soccer growing up because I feel like that would have gotten out more of my energy, oh. but I just didn't have the coordination for it. Okay. But you do you do you play No, you don't play soccer now. I thought I no, saw you. No, no. No, no. But you you're an active dude. I am an active dude, you know, yeah. running and crossfitting and so I'm going to go to crossfit after this, you know, get jacked. Heck yeah. Um, cool. So you you had this guitar. When did you start playing with other people? Um, pretty much immediately after. Um, cool. Actually, do you know the band Harbor Lights? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so their drummer Jordan and I funny story. We went to the same middle school and we were best friends in middle school. And we jammed for hours together. Like, he played drums. I remember being, I remember sleepovers in his attic where he would play drums and we would just play Metallica songs or like the first riff of a Metallica song for like hours on end. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's, Jordan was the first dude I ever jammed with um, when we were both in like seventh or eighth grade because um, we came from, yeah, we went to the same school and we were like the kids, like, he, he was like the, he was ahead. He was like the kid who had been listening to like like metal and like Metallica and Slayer and like and I was like the kid who had just started listening to Red Jumpsuit, you know. So like he was like the like the the more like he was deeper into like that whole music world than I was. But he, we just jammed and uh, and then shortly after that, I started getting better at guitar and then. I started playing in my first band, which was a band that I ended up playing six years in and was like from like 14 to like 19, 20 was like the big part of my life was a band called Exiting the Fall, mm-hmm. which was a band was like a Christian metalcore band, pretty much like oh, it was very much. A, yeah, like this is a big part of my and John, who plays drums in Valley Heart and Philippe, who played guitar in Valley Heart. We all were a part of this band and that's how we all met each other. Um and that's a whole other story, but that was like all of our youth. That was our uh, our music project, and we toured and like uh, you know played all across the country. Like at the age of like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, we just bought a van and drove around and uh, brought music to like people. It was really crazy looking back now, but I mean, a lot of those friendships through that band and like have kind of created the platform for like. The, the friendships that we have in Valley Heart now and like when we play in certain cities like we'll see old friends from that time era all the time and they still come out and like there's this natural progression of people who used to listen to that style of music they a lot of them 90% I want to say are like into the style we play now you know so it's this very like clear um, 
kind of migration. So, yeah. Yeah, I actually just did a quick Spotify look, and I'm gonna dig into this uh, now after that after we chat for sure. Um, it's a vibe, man. It's definitely it's a vibe. I, I will say, like the last EP we put out, uh, it's called Bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I really stand by that. I love like I when I listen back, I'm like, damn, this is good. And then everything else, I'm like. The further back you get in our discography, the cr- the cr- <laughs> like the more you see my fr- face cringe a little bit. <laughs> so That's keep fine. that I in mean, mind. I was yeah. in a metalcore band in college. I get it. You look yeah. you you look back at that stuff, and you're like, I was actually yeah, looking yeah. back through some of our old uh, performance pictures, and I was like, oh man, we were so we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> of course, of course. But you know what, dude? I think for a while, it's funny how like you go through phases in life where you're ashamed about certain things and then like you just learn to like accept them and then you learn to appreciate and love them. So I think for a while it was kind of like, Oh, like I, this is like big part of my past. Like, cause like I haven't gotten into it, but this was like a big part of my life. Like this band exiting the fall, like me and John who plays drums, like I said, and Philippe, like this was like our lives. And like I said, on summer vacations while kids were like going to Florida with their families, we were like hopping in a van and going on tour, like all the way to Texas and back. Like, and like, I think for a while I was, like, looking back and ash- not ashamed, but just, like, you know, not just because of the cringy metalcore thing, but also because we were very blatantly, like, Christian and, like, Christian metalcore and a, a little bit, like, down your throat with, like, some of the messages sometimes and, like, that stuff, it's, like, a little weird. But, like, just the whole, like, Christian metalcore vibe was just, like, uh weird. But now I see, like, that style, like, in a way has shaped even who I am today, even though I don't listen to that style of music anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, it's something that it's like very clear that like, oh yeah, like I appreciate that for what it was and what I learned and like, yeah. No, I totally get that because back in college I wrote a few things that were like very Christian and uh, introspective because I grew up in a, uh, a household that was very of the church and, um, I always felt like I had like a lot of questions <laughs> and, yeah. um, so I ended up writing a couple things that I, when I look back now, I'm like, man, I was going through some stuff. Uh, right. <laughs> and right. like, even now I'm like, I'm still kind of distanced from some of the things that I, I used to like, cause I called one of my things that I released, like my version of worship music. And, mm. um, when I look back at it, I'm like, I mean, I still get where I was coming from back then, but I might not want to listen to this anymore. Um, right. that kind of, that kind right. of approach. Right, exactly. Um, so exiting the fall uh, was your like your life for a while. You said, um, "How did it? How did you? How did that end? How did you move into doing Valley Heart then?" Yeah, totally. It was uh, we had been together. So it was five dudes. It was me, John, Philippe, my friend DJ, and my friend Matt. Um, DJ, the bassist, moved to California where he married John's sister, who plays oh. drums. Yeah, and John's sister is also a musician. Her name is Zelan. Uh, she's really talented. Um, she's amazing music too. So th- that there's just like we're all our friend group is all connected. But so he moved to California. They got married. She does music out there. Um, and then Matt, my, our, the, the screamer, he moved to Florida. And you know, it kind of just dissolved naturally. It was one of those things where it felt very much like a high school relationship where. We had done a lot and, like, experienced a lot together and, like, had a lot of ups and downs and, like, crazy emotional moments. And it was getting to the point where we were all kind of growing in different directions, like, musically and, like, you know, mentally. Um, and we were all, like, you know, like in our early 20s, like, late teens. Like, and we were, you know, some of us wanted to settle down and start a family. Some of us wanted to keep doing music. Some of us were listening to, like, you know, Ben Howard and, like, Bonnie Vare. Some of us were still listening to, like, Delvers Prada. So it was, like, this really hard um, thing. And I, I started kind of – I wasn't into, like, the the hardcore stuff so much anymore. Um, I was definitely into playing it. I had It was very cathartic, and I felt good releasing on stage. But, like, I, it wasn't what I was listening to or writing anymore. So I found myself – because I did a lot of the guitar writing. Like, most of it – like, me and Philippe did a lot of it, but – like structurally, like me and the, the screamer, like worked a lot on songs, and I was just like struggling because I wasn't able to like come up with stuff anymore, just because it wasn't mm. what I was naturally like listening to anymore, you know. Yeah. So there was just a lot of that, and it kind of came at this like spearhead where we were like, you know what, like I think it's just best if we we call it a day, you know, I, like 
to save our friendships, like we we should do this, you know, because we were getting to the point we were about to rip each other's heads off, you know, and, and we will all admit that like it was like it was just such a tense thing. It like got to that point and and uh, we had like, you know, we were at that. We were also one of those bands that like had done everything independently. Every tour we we did was like we booked it ourselves Hmm. And we were just kind of jaded, I think. You know, we never had any help from, like, um, we never had that, like, breaking point, you know. We had talked to labels. We had talked to, like, Solid State, like, some, like, some some metal labels. But nothing ever came to fruition. So I think we were just, like, a bit jaded as well. So anyways, that ended. And I did, like, a lot of solo stuff for a while. I, I came out with an EP and, like, started just kind of exploring. It felt really cool. Like I said, it felt like this, like relationship where like it ended and you're like wow like i'm free to like explore different like options and like genres and myself it like was really cool musically and um and yeah i came out with, like a full ep and then you know i was doing like a lot of like acoustic stuff and i was like wow i really miss playing like i wish i miss plugging into my amp and turning up to seven like you know <laughs> so i was like i miss that and i miss doing it with my friends and i miss like i just there was like this part like really missing and like myself even though i thought i wanted like just to like play like acoustic music but so yeah uh, i sat down with you know a couple of the guys that had stuck around from you know the ashes of exiting the fall and uh, i was like yo what if we started a band and uh we started talking and then that's kind of where valley heart came from hmm. yeah i dig that so y'all were like doing everything yourself doing that diy booking and releasing life um what were what were some of the like the lessons you learned from doing that sort of work on your own as a band that was still trying to like figure it out even oh man so many lessons it's great it really is crazy looking back because you know it's weird though because the diy culture like now that it was like 10 seven years ago when we were doing like when exiting the fall was doing it um, was very different than it was now. I don't know. It was for us. Maybe it was also because it was in the metal hardcore scene. But it was um, it was really awesome to see how people like we played shows at delis. Man, we played shows at like <laughs> I think we played a show on a boxing ring once. Like anywhere that you there was a space like in permission, there would ha- there would be a show. You know. Yeah. So we like we've played some really amazing places, and you just see like the the love of music and just energy and just wherever we can plug in like we're gonna play and that was something that was really cool like driving around the country and being far from home but just like seeing a community of people who were just ready to to play you know and uh we honestly the biggest thing is we we met so many amazing people who till this day like you know i was the other day looking at where we're gonna stay for the valley heart tour and have people like hitting me up that I met like nine years ago that are like, dude, when you come to Indianapolis, like I have a couch, I have food, like any diet or shit, like just people who are like ready to house us and just friends that we've made. And, um, you know, people really around the country that, like I said, kind of laid the groundwork for us to like have a, you know, kind of a community of people who like we hang out with whenever we go to certain cities. Um, so I, yeah, I learned that, some of these like connections, even though they might not be your best friends, like that you're gonna spend every day with, they're just people that you support their projects and they support yours, and that's a really cool like thing to have, you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, one of the things that I'm really thankful for in my field um, is that like I've made connections in at people who work at all sorts of universities, and so um, there's a lot of times where I'll just be traveling wherever I'm going in the country and I'll be like, Hey, uh, reach out and be like, Hey, uh, do you have a place for me to crash or just like being comfortable asking those connections that I have, if they have anyone that they know that I can connect with, because, um, I can almost go anywhere in this country and have someone at some university that I know either through social media or through, um, having met them at a conference and I'll get like, some sort of hookup either with a place to stay or someone who wants to meet up for coffee even. And like, that's like a really cool feeling to have at this point, even in my career. And then I also get like booked at other colleges to talk there because of those connections as well. So it's, it, you gotta like, you gotta like 
make those connections and regardless of like like you said they're not going to be like some of your best friends but you're going to connect with them and you're going to have like a good time when you stay with them probably so yeah like totally. more more power to the hang i guess of course of course yeah it's it's really cool All right, time for a quick break in the podcast just to remind you a little bit about the nonprofit that I run called The Art of Survival. Go to artissurvival.com. It is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and we started our nonprofit three years ago uh, in Sexual Assault Awareness Month to be an organization that was for sexual assault survivors and trauma survivors, and then it branched into a whole big other thing that it has become now. Uh, but three years ago, uh, this week, we launched the project, and now it's become this really cool thing where uh, we support bands and we tour around and Katie tours around, and uh, we do a lot of uh, storytelling to support survivors. So go to artistsurvival.com and check out more of what we do, get some resources, read some stories, and also go to patreon.com slash artofsurvival so that you can support and become a monthly donor to our organization. That would be really helpful. I would love it. Also, the podcast is a part of the Connect EDU network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about all the fantastic podcasts and resources that you can find in this fantastic organization of podcasters. The network connects the unique perspectives and expert insight of higher education through podcasting. So if you're affiliated with higher education, from being a professor to a director of marketing, you might be able to find a podcast that fits your style. Hey, you might be a punk in higher ed and you didn't know there was a podcast specifically for punks in education uh, that, that I run. And here you are. You you got it now. I hope that you like what you're hearing and maybe you want to go check out some other podcasts. Maybe by my friend Josie or maybe by my buddy Dustin. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to listen to those too. Go check them out. Connect EDU Network. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what I'm a part of. The Connect EDU Network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more. All right. Back to the show. So, Valley Heart released one of my favorite albums last year, and you did it, like, you guys got it out right under, right under the gun of the 2018 year. So yeah, <laughs> we did. It was uh, a close call. It was a very close call. Everyone I've ever loved, um, and you put it out through Rise, like, like you did for your first EP. Can you talk mm-hmm. to me about how that connection came together? Because Rise is like hometown label for me. That's an Oregon label. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I've been a Rise guy for a little while. Because um, you said that ex- exiting the fall tried a bunch of connections and nothing really came to fruition. But this Valley Heart came to fruition with Rise. How did this connection uh, come to be? Right. Um, honestly, just one day I woke up and we had an email from them. Um, and a friend of a friend of a friend had heard, the, uh, the Craig there, uh, their, their president at the time, mm-hmm. like they were all apparently sitting in a jacuzzi and a friend showed him our EP and, uh, he thought it was really good. Like, and he loved it and he, and they reached out and that, that's, yeah. yeah, it's, that's, that's really, it's weird. It's, it's funny because with exiting the fall, we were like sending press kits and EPKs and being creative and you know with Valley Heart it kind of just with with this connection it just kind of happened very naturally okay yeah. that seems very simple <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty simple <laughs> pretty cut and dry there it was yeah <laughs> well hell yeah i i was expecting this like we had like contract disputes we had to fight for this thing no that's really great hell yeah yeah, I no, wish everyone yeah, we, had it easy like that. <laughs> no, I know, but once we once we you know started talking to them, we did you know have a lawyer and like figured out like contract like that was a whole different phase of it. But in terms of like getting in contact with them, um, it was a fairly uh, one step process. Sweet. 
Um, yeah. Cool. So the new album. What? Mm-hmm. What were you guys trying to accomplish with this new album? Yeah. Um, there was a a lot I had to say, you know, um, on the record. Uh, so. I wanted to approach it from a more narrative point of view, you know? I think some of my favorite albums listening back are the ones who, they're not necessarily concept albums, but they have sort of a an, over, an overarching theme that sort of connects every song, but they explore different, you know, rooms of that house, if you will, like each song. And I kind of wanted to tackle something like that because we had come out with our EP, which were a collection of songs that some of them were like, acoustic songs i had written that we had reworked into valley heart some of them were like valley heart songs we had written together it was like very all over the place um so i wanted to write something that really felt cohesive um like sonically and lyrically so my perception going in was like i i want the songs i want them to to blend into each other i want this story to feel a bit seamless you know so i went in very intentionally with like like before I even we recorded the first note of anything, I already I already had known like the track listing order. Like I already had known, I like knew how I wanted the transitions to go in. Like I had all of that mapped out. And then like the songs themselves, like I left room for there to be spontaneity and like you know nuance in the studio. But as, in terms of like the overarching picture, I kind of I had it all kind of mapped out before which i don't think it might not happen for the next record but for this record specifically like i kind of like knew how i wanted it to flow and like the like the general kind of movement of it um so i want yeah i wanted to we wanted to create something that was rock you know like was alternative rock but had kind of a different perspective on it you know different sounds like i said like i told you before like I I love di- a lot of different styles of music, so I wanted to kind of introduce sounds maybe you wouldn't hear in in you know alternative rock or certain chord progressions and whatnot. And uh, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's an alternative rock record. But I think you know I, Kevin Billingsley, who co-produced the record, he that him and I worked a lot on it together because um, the guys would come in and out of the studio, but him and I were kind of like quarantined there for fourteen days. And, like, we were able to explore vocal sounds and, you know, guitar tones. And for some of the parts on the album, like, I recorded my vocals through a guitar amp. And, like, so, like, we got, we got, we didn't want to go down a rabbit hole, but we got fairly experimental for certain parts. And I really wanted that um, for this record. So, yeah, that was kind of the vision of it overall, you know? Well, I think you really achieved that, to be honest. Like, there there are layers upon layers on this album. And like, that was one of the things that I really took home from it is not even just like the instrumentation, but like how your voice is used as like a full on instrument in the album is like something that I, I feel like is becoming more and more, um, a trend in like music these days is like really using a voice as like a, a full on instrument instead of having it, be this thing that's like out in front of all of the music. <laughs> right. And right. like, I think that that's a f- purely like a mixing choice and, and a stylistic choice. And I think that that is wonderful because while, um, what you're, what you're putting into the, what you're putting into the album, isn't just like all of this, um, like, well, it just becomes like one big sonic sound. And like, that's right. really what this album feels like. It's just like, there is, a lot of cohesion. It is, uh, very, um, the sounds are very, this is a really weird way to say that very varied to where Mm. each track, (laughs) each track doesn't just meld together and feel like you're just listening to one long ass song, but it, it feels like there, there was a lot of intentionality in how you actually put together this full album, which is fantastic because it's what, it's your first full length, right? Their first full length, yeah. So attacking a full length is a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And you know, going back to exiting the fall, I think we had done a full length before, and I think that experience there really paved the way for me to be a bit more prepared. You know, because like I had seen what it was like, I had seen some problem, like I had seen like where you can get stuck down a rabbit hole of like 
not like you know your guitar is out of tune you got to keep tuning it for the same part and the next thing you know you've wasted four hours tuning your guitar and like you know you wanted to get cool with vocals so i i had a little more experience to like be like all right like this is how we should tackle it and also i did a lot of the the texture stuff at my house like i imported a lot of stuff into the sessions for mixing later so um i didn't want to waste time like i had demos for every song before and there were certain like textures ambient layers weird noises that i just knew i wouldn't be able to recreate in the studio just because they were so like they were just you know spur of the moment like kind of like these things i had come up in my bedroom and before for other projects i had like tried to go into the studio and recreate said sounds and i found that one it took forever and two, they never came out with the same magic that they originally had, you know? So for this album, I was like, you know, I'm just going to import it. Like, you know, and then that's what we did. And Kevin was super, like, cool and open about it. And we found a great balance of mixing, like, his amazing crisps, like, bass drum sounds and, like, my texture stuff. And it was it was kind of a, a marriage of the both of those things. That's awesome. That's really great yeah. to hear. Like, um, when you were working on the album, what were some of the... Where are some of the influences coming through your brain uh, to put this sound together? Yeah, totally. Um, Absent Sounds by Fermindian Lakes. Ooh. Oh, yeah. We one. just ran into each other at a Fermindian Lakes. We did. We did. We did. <laughs> we did. You were right we did. behind me in line and gave me a huge hug. <laughs> I did. And we were, yeah. I saw. I was like, what the heck? Um, yeah, so that band has been like a big, big influence sonically for me for a long time. Just the way they like take... They took rock from the beginning and added an element of just creativity that I, I very few bands, it, when I was listening to that whole style, like they were just like the coolest. It was just the coolest thing to hear how they would take like a, a normal rock song and just like really make it something interesting, you know? Um, and yeah, so but Absent Sounds sonically is one of those records that hits hard but has a smoothness to it. Like, the drums just sound so big but not abrasive and there's just this like vibe to it that you know i definitely influenced you know the record um greatly um lyrically uh this guy named noah gunderson i don't know if you've ever heard of him but yeah. he's yeah yeah uh he's been a big influence of mine like throughout the years um just lyrically and you know as a songwriter he's just probably one of my you know top 5 uh, songwriters that I've you know learned to love, and so lyrically, the way he approaches things, where it comes to you know faith and other you know pertaining to the church, things like that, I have to say that he's definitely influenced the album lyrically. Um, and then obviously David Bazan, you know, um, big influence there. Um, the way he kind of is genre bending, and you know, and pushes the envelope when it comes to the lyrics as well. It's you know. A big one and then copeland you know they're like my favorite band i would say so they definitely you know um albums like eat sleep repeat like definitely made a big difference dude eat sleep repeat is my like favorite copeland album that's my oh that's by far and then it's hard for me to decide after that like where i order things but eat sleep repeat is like my 100 percent my favorite copeland album there's just something about it because like the first two Copeland albums are like bright yep. and like very accessible. And then with Eat Sleep Repeat, they're like, you know what? But stuff also sucks sometimes and let's like get real. And yeah. what I loved about what I loved about the first time I heard Eat Sleep Repeat is I was like, Oh man, I can feel all sorts of things now. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. Um I feel safer on an airplane. Uh, love affair like those songs uh, like even just where is my head like yeah to start off that head? album like oh my gosh the drum production on that is like some of the best i've ever heard it's just oh and yeah it's such a such a dense record too like there are so many nuances that like you listen back and you're just like this is amazing like oh for sure and copeland was like one of those bands that i felt like got wrote, written off by like some people back in the day just because they were so like it was such a clear sound uh, and they were yep. coming out around when like under oath and emery and they were in that tooth and nail solid state mix yep. and they definitely got overlooked a lot and i mean it even took me a minute to get into them but they were a huge staple of early college and even yep. to today with like their new album which is just unreal like super good 
Like, um, I, yeah, I feel like that's a band that I learned a lot from too. So I'm really glad to hear that from you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Permidian Lakes was one of those bands that really got me going too. Um, cause I, I found them with their first album and then I was like, Oh man, I need more of this. And then just coincidentally, uh, the next week they were releasing, uh, uh, able bodies. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good timing. (laughs) Yeah. I, I remember I was, I was right there with you, man. I remember I heard, um, our father is missing off their first album. Yeah. And that song, I was like, whoa, like, what is this band? Like that, like lyrically, like hit me in the face. And then it's like musically had this like energy and like really cool, like, vibe and then yeah and then absent sounds came out and then they then i like fell in love with them you know oh for sure and something that i found oh, no, able bodies able bodies came out yeah. yeah yeah um what i found in a consistency in that and in some of your work is there's a lot of spirituality tied into um, what you guys do um and i find that fascinating because i mean we talked a little bit about it in a, mo- a moment ago uh like coming up in the church and coming up in families that like um you know, we're pretty religious. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you've weaved and how your evolution of spirituality has kind of like brought you even to this album, this newest album that also kind of um, is seeped with a lot of those overtones and undertones? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the album itself is um, was kind of a season of big reconstruction and deconstruction of my faith. Um, and I'm sure like if you listen to lyrics, you can hear that it's, it's like a very weird time of completely walking away from what, like who I, who I had been, who I was. And I, like, I grew up in the assemblies of God, uh, denomination. So um, did I. So, no way. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Yep. Same. Yeah. Very, like very Pentecostal AG. Yeah. That was, yep. That was my that family, was my, Lancaster my, Assembly of God in Salem, Oregon, baby. That's crazy. That's <laughs> insane. That's insane. So you you know what I mean. Like, yep. Holy rollers. You, yep. You get it. Like vacation Bible school and like all these things. And um, yeah, so that was my background. Like I had grown up in the church and I had met a lot of my friends, like a lot of my friends till this day. Like we, I want to say like my close friends today, many of them. I want to say 80% like I have known since I was 13 and we had met in youth group. Like, um, so just even from a friendship perspective, like grew up in that and I had led worship for, for years, like ever since I was like 15, like while I was touring with exiting the fall, when I was back, like I was at church plants, like, uh, leading worship, um, you know, as like a, a worship leader. And I, I hit this point in my early twenties where when I was a kid, like my, my faith, it was never a thing for me that felt fabricated. It felt very real to me. Like, even though, like, I had been born into it, like, it was something I was very involved in and very adamant about, very passionate about, you know? Um, But in my early 20s, I started to question all of that, like, very much. Like, not just, like, question what, like, if God is real or anything, but question, like, what had I been taught that I had not, like, believed myself? Like, what I, what have I not explored and really found to be true for myself, you know? And that just started a whole deconstruction process of, like, what do I believe? You know, what do I think? And I think it, it drove me a little to the edges of my sanity for a little bit, you know? Um, and I think the the album was kind of me writing about all of that you know and i made some good choices in in figuring a lot of these things out and i i made some bad ones and harmful ones as the record talks about as well um so now i'm at a place where you know it's funny we talked about uh matt from animal flag and i like we sat down like maybe a year ago and like talked a lot about this stuff because he comes from some background too and i remember he asked me like a year ago he's like would, would you consider yourself a Christian now? And I, I had a, a hard time with that question, you know, because in a lot of ways I see who I am and I see like the people around me and I see things, I have experiences from the church, a lot, a, a lot negative, but a lot, a lot positive too, where I see it's part of who I am. Like it's, it's instilled in me. And no matter how much I try to walk away from it, it's like, 
there are traces of that there, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, there's just so much I don't resonate with anymore that yeah. like, I, I, I listen to like a lot of social issues and like certain things that I struggle to put myself under this term, you know? So, but what's, what's amazing is that like, at the end of the day, like I realize, especially putting out this album is like, I'm not the only one who's in this weird limbo. You know what I mean? Like, I get messages like every week from people like, dude, like this album has helped me sort through all this stuff because I'm in this weird in between. And then they quote everything I just said to you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's amazing to hear that like, wow, like a lot of people are going through this and it doesn't mean you're like deemed to be a pagan and like you're, you, you don't have any sort of spirituality in you at all, or you have to fall under to this like traditional Christianity. Like there's just a space right now where I feel like it's okay to like be like, I'm, st- I'm figuring out what this means to me still, you know? Um, and with this album, I kind of just wanted to tell my story, but enable people to kind of like have a, a space where like, Oh my God, it's okay to like be here and not go crazy. Like I'm not crazy. Like other people are going through this too, you know? Um, and, uh, so where I'm at today is like, I feel a little more centralized where like, I do know I, you know, I, I, I do have a, um, a background in faith and I, and I still do, believe in god but it's it looks very different than it did when i was a teenager man i i relate to that so much like a lot of what you were just saying and i feel like matt and i had a very similar conversation just even about a year ago when i had him on the podcast and we um um we tend to have those deep dives too uh yeah <laughs> so i feel like <laughs> right. if, the, if the three of us were to sit down it would just be like <laughs> We would Existential spend all day, madness. yeah. We would spend <laughs> yeah. all day just being like, "Oh man, this and and this and then that." And um, yeah. I feel the same way, just because like, <clears throat> while a lot of my like identities and a lot of other things that I've become involved in in my life have like completely shifted away from the church, like that's always going to be a part of me. Like I have religiously based tattoos on me. Like I have God is love and love is real tattooed on me. And yeah. like while that was initially inspired by me without you, those words are yep. always on me. And, um, so I know that some people will see like God is love on me and not really know who I am. And they'll see the cross that's tattooed on my calf and not really know who I am. And they'll just make assumptions. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, those are important parts of my life. They're also, they were also tattooed. Like I view tattoos as snapshots of time. And like, I needed that cross at that time in my life. I needed that reminder. I needed God is love tattooed on me at that time in my life. And those are always going to be there. Um, even if my, um, even if my life has kind of evolved since then, um, I'll always have like those experiences in my life and my experiences with the church while also somewhat positive, um, uh, just weren't ne- like necessarily enough to keep my interest or my drive within that faith. And now I've like recently got into Buddhism and I've been learning more about spirituality from that end. And that's yeah. actually become more of more of an approach that I'm more comfortable with than I think the church ever was, which is mm-hmm. wild. Cause I never thought I'd be back in this kind of space. <laughs> like this, like spirituality at all is what you're saying. Yeah. Spirituality yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Wow. I had no idea that you came from such a religiously dense background. Honestly. Oh, huge. Like I was I did in not church know that. every week. I was one of those, uh, every week we were in church, I was singing the songs. Um, I was wondering when I was going to get to start speaking in tongues, but it never came. And then I questioned that. <laughs> That's, dude, I, oh my God. Yes, that is absolutely a big struggle I had. Yeah. Yeah. Like my mom could do it and I would like watch that and I was like, huh, this is so interesting. But my dad never did it. And so I was like, always like kind of fascinated and I felt yep. like I was missing out on something. And then like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I like, yeah, where I kind of like fell off. It was probably in college, like as as you do, as one does. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I kind of like want to ra- like kind of bring things to a close on this conversation um, by talking just a little bit about um, another thing that ties and binds you, me, and Matt is our complete stand for Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> mm-hmm. And y'all did yep. a fantastic cover. And I remember the first time I saw you guys live, you did this cover of 4th of July and I, I cried like three times. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> like mostly because I didn't expect it. 
And I, I right. wasn't familiar 100% with the fact I, – I wasn't familiar with the fact that you had done that cover. I was familiar with your first EP, but I had no idea that you had made this cover. Mm-hmm. What, what inspired you to cover that in a full band offering? Um, well, first of all, looking back now, I realize it's it's a way ballsier move than I ever intended it to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, wow, that's – wow that's that's a that's a statement but honestly like it wasn't like we're gonna cover Sufjan like it was just like I loved like Carrie and Lowell was a record that had it spoke to me in a way that like a record hadn't in a long time like it just it it you know it it cut me like as I'm sure it did with you like there was just this honesty but also this poetry about it that was just incredible and like you know, it's Sufjan. So it, obviously I expected it, but there was just something special about that record for me um, with, you know, concept of his relationship with his mom and, and faith and all these things. And Fourth of July was one of those songs I remember just laying in my bed listening for the first time and just, like you said, just crying and like just feeling it so immensely. And uh, and then one day I was just like, hey, let's let's try it to play the song. We just started jamming it and it, it, it made sense and it felt good and there was kind of an intensity there that I felt emotionally from listening to it in my bed that like, there was just like this, like, Oh, you know, that I felt I was able to express with this version that we made, you know? And that just felt cool. Like it felt like, I felt like I was singing the lyrics and in a way I was able to channel myself through that, you know? And, uh, it wasn't just like a cover. It like felt different. Like it felt special. It felt like I was really connecting to the words he had written and uh, it just felt right. And then we started playing it live and like people started responding and reacting in a positive way. Um, and then we just kept doing it and then we recorded it. And then like, yeah. Yeah. Like the fact that you were willing to take like, cause Carrie and Lowell is so friggin' stark and <laughs> um, yeah. like removed from everything that he had been doing basically since seven swans. Um, he really brought this, um, like haunting album and you all put like a full, like what it could sound like full, like it really like blew me away. So I'm really glad that you guys did that because it's, um, something I never thought I'd hear. And I think Mm. that that's the big part of it. Like, I never thought I'd hear something like that. And I remember sitting next to my partner while we were listening to it and I, I like, because they've heard the the sad the super sad you know Carrie and Lowell version, and I grab yeah. them by the arm, which we do when we get like excited about something, and I'm like, Katie, I'm about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just warning you, I'm about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Heads up, crying. <laughs> which is like pretty on brand for most days, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Got to keep the image going, you know. Um, but yeah, I think that's the coolest thing about covers, though. Like, I never want to hear a band or an artist cover a song within their genre, you know? Cause for me, it's like, that's cool, but what's the point, you know? Like, so I think the coolest ones are the ones that like you, it's a completely different dynamic that you completely, you know, revisit and revise and kind of have a new perspective on. Okay. It's time for a music break portion of the podcast. Really excited to bring you a song from the brand new Valley heart record. Everyone I've ever loved. It was released in December, uh, through rise records. So go to riserecords.com and check it out. Get yourself a digital copy, get yourself a CD of it. Uh, you can also find all of the Valley heart music on any streaming service, Bandcamp. Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you get music, you can find Valley Heart. You can check it all out. I'm going to bring you a song that was one of the lead singles off of that new Valley Heart record, Everyone I've Ever Loved. The song is called Friends in the Foyer. It's one of my favorites off the album, and I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, So here we go. Friends in the Foyer by Valley Heart.
Alright, that was Friends in the Foyer by Valley Heart. If you liked what you heard, go to riserecords.com, get yourself a digital copy, get yourself a CD. If you like to stream stuff, find it anywhere, like Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, everywhere. You get streaming services, it's going to be there. Valley Heart's going to be there. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Kevin Klein. Now, um, we're going to get into what I call the lightning round. Okay. And um, I am going to ask you some random questions just about things you like in life. And in your, you can respond as quickly or as slowly as possible. But, you know, try to, try to give me the, as most of an honest answer as possible. And we'll yep. go forward with that. All right. Cool. So what's your favorite color? Green. Nice. Um, what's your favorite kind of food? Rice and beans. With some sort of uh, Brazilian meat, because I'm half Brazilian. Oh, yeah, that's so I grew cool. Up. Yeah, I speak Portuguese and everything. I learned Portuguese before I learned English. Oh, fast! Now we're getting into more stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, what's your like favorite book? Um, favorite book? Anything? Uh, re- well. I don't have a favorite book, but I do have a book that I'm really keen on the last year. It's uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, nice. Cool. Um, what is the, your favorite place you've ever visited? Iceland. Oh, yeah? When did you go there? I've been twice because I'm that in love with that place. Uh, well, I went last year, uh, March of 20, 2018, and I went in uh, November of 2016. Oh, cool. Yeah. What was, the, what was the thing that you liked the most about visiting there? Um, <laughs> the landscape, hmm. you know, just, just the, the mountains and everything it personifies, you know, just the, uh, it feels like you're in another world. It feels like you're on another planet. Like there, it's really not an exaggeration to say that it doesn't feel real sometimes. Like when you're there, there's just a transcendence and a spirituality about it for me too. So hmm. I, I enjoyed it a lot. That's fantastic. Um, what's a, do you watch TV? What's a favorite show you've been into that i've been into or like or that ever? you've liked all time either or mm, um breaking bad i mean i'm i'm no special <laughs> but breaking yeah. bad is one of my favorites yeah nice yeah um what about movies you dig into movies yeah boyhood probably is one of my favorites or anything richard Linklater. i love hmm yeah, that's definitely something that um, I've wanted to watch. I didn't. Yeah. Get it. I haven't gotten into it yet. Yeah, I love Boyhood, and like like I said, like Richard Linklater, he's just a, a really cool director who he plays a lot with time, you know, because Boyhood had the twelve year thing going for it. I don't know if you know about that, but they they shot one month out of every year for twelve years, so you see like a family grow in front of your eyes, kind of thing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew that, that that was what went into it, and I still just haven't taken the time to like go and watch it. But it's like fascinating. It feels like a longitudinal research study to yeah. stick with someone that long and even yeah. have someone whose family is willing to submit their child to something like that. I know. Um, what is – what? okay – this is very going to be very specific to you and to me and Matt. But what's your favorite Sufjan Stevens album? Carrie Mole. Really? Yeah. I mean, I know there's there's it's so it's a hard one, but I've I've sat down and thought long and hard about this. Age of Odds follows, but yeah. So Age of Odds is to, okay. So I think Age of Odds is his best album. Okay. Just from front to back, I think it is like his most cohesive his brain in an album right because you have like everything he's done up to that point i agree no you're right it is the most like sufjan album yeah because it has enjoy your rabbit bullshit that like noise it has like the orchestration of like uh illinois it has like some of the stark contrasts in michigan it has some of the chill stuff from seven swans it even touches a little bit on a sun came like there's so much in there um that like that's what I think is his best. I don't know if it's my favorite. My favorite is Seven Swans. Seven um, Swans. 
So I think we're we we bookend the like the yeah. chill <laughs> albums of his. I think Seven Swans is just that album that like gave me a lot of comfort when I needed it, and also is that like spiritual overtone release that I have when I need it. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, cool. And then last thing I like to finish on is what is like something you're listening to now or you think people should check out? I've been on a real big all get out kick, all their albums. Oh, the season. The season is amazing. Uh, nobody likes a quitter. I'm, I'm starting to get into the new album, but they're, they're a band that took a while to like, for me to like really like, but I mean, I always liked them, but now I'm like, wow, this, this band is special. Like they're good. Like, you Mm know, so, uh, yeah, anything, I'll get out their new record, their last record. Nice. Well, um, y'all have a lot coming up soon. Can you tell folks what's going on and where they can see you guys pretty soon? Yeah. Uh, we are going on the road with my Epic. Um, our first show is May 13th in Springfield, Missouri. Um, we have our dates on our website, valleyheartmusic.com. And then we're going on the road with Red Jumpsuit Apparatus in July. And we'll Which is like game. a big thing for you. <laughs> they were your first yeah. rock band. <laughs> they were my first rock band, yeah. I mean, it's it's cool. It's definitely like, wow, this is full circle kind of. This, that's really awesome. That's so sick. I'm going to put all of the tour dates uh, up on our website. And then um, I'll have links to all of the to get your guys' music and where they can get digital downloads and everything like that. So, um, folks, if you're listening and want to check more out, you've already heard, uh, by this time, you've already heard a song by Valley Heart, and you're definitely going to want to hear more. I, I promise you everything on this album, the the newest album, is very much worth it. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you for Thank chatting you, man. with me. This was um, awesome. I can't wait to see what y'all have in store uh, coming up and how the tour goes for you guys. Thanks, man. Okay, we did it. Another episode done. Very thankful for my friend Kevin Klein spending some time with me to chat about his music, his life, his spirituality, about everything that he has come in contact with when it comes to creating music. Very thankful for his time. Very thankful that he is willing to share his stuff with me and with all of you here. If you liked what you heard throughout this episode and throughout the music that you heard, go to riserecords.com, get yourself a copy of that new Valley Heart record, stream it anywhere and everywhere, and make sure sure you follow up with kevin if you see him on the road be like hey i heard you on the edgy punks podcast that was sick and then i decided to get to the gig if that happens hey maybe i'll send you something cool if kevin lets me know that happened maybe i'll send you something cool uh they're going to be hitting a whole lot of the country uh in the coming weeks and in the summer so if you end up going out to the gig tell kevin i said what's up i might see him between now and then but hey whatever tell him i said what's up What's up, Kevin? Thank you so much for listening again this week. Uh, go to art, artissurvival.com to learn more about Art of Survival. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about the network that houses my podcast. Uh, beyond that, that's all I've got. Uh, life update. It's been a little bit hectic since the school year is coming to an end, so I've been focusing less on the podcast. My apologies, but once the summer ramps up again, oh boy, we're going to have episodes as regularly as possible. But uh, yeah, if you made it this far, I hope you enjoy the last little bit that I'm going to leave you with. It is part of the cover that uh, Valley Heart did of Sufjan Stevens' 4th of July. It is one of my favorite covers that I've ever heard, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, That's how we're going to play out this episode. So yeah, uh, until next week. Let's get to work. Get the man, my little man, why do you cry?